Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back here to the Neil Haley Show on the Caregiver Dave Celebrity Segment. I'm excited to welcome the program Caregiver Dave and Sandy. Dave, how are you? Uh, I'm great. Uh, you were celebrating, right, for a couple yeah, weeks? Yeah, I had a grandson uh, get married, one of seven, wow. uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. Good to be in Nashville. Owned a lot of property there, lost a lot of money there, and I have a lot of family there. <laughs> so you're back, and we have some great guests. Introduce our guest today. Devon Fallon Hogan. Great How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Stars Thanks for just... having me on. I appreciate it. Okay. Well, I was going to introduce you, but why don't you quickly tell us some of your accolades so we know who we're talking to or the audience does. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'll tell my <laughs> resume. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I've, I've been in this business for a million years. I was on Saturday Night Live, Seinfeld, Men in Black, Forrest Gump, you name it. A lot of Lars von Trier movies, Dancer in the Dark, Dogville. But now I've written a movie called Rushed, which is coming out today. All right. And it'll Whoa. be in theaters all That's over the impressive. country. Yeah. Impressive resume. Thank yeah, you. So I, I know it's her pressing resume, but she wants to do some comedy. So let's talk. What came first, SNL? Was I mean, like, how did, how did that happen? Well, I, I, I did a lot of theater and I moved to New York City. I'm from upstate New York, which rushed is based on a woman from upstate New York. And I went down to New York. I had no skills whatsoever. I did some summer stock theater and I was ready to quit the business. And my father said, why don't you come home and do dinner theater? I was like, what? And then this friend of mine said, there's an, there's an uh, audition at this uh, improv comedy club. So I got in and the director said, why don't you write a one person show? So I said, all right, I'd never written. And so I did. And I put it on at West Side Arts Off-Broadway Theater, and I rented the lobby out because theaters are dark on Monday nights and Sunday nights. So people thought I had an Off-Broadway one-woman show, and I handed out the tickets, I mean, the, the flyers at TKTS, and I got great reviews. So I brought it to LA, did it in LA, and Seinfeld came, and SNL came, and I got on those shows, and that opened a ton of doors for me. Wow. Okay. So I want to go SNL and I, I'm sure Dave, you have answers, uh, questions on Seinfeld. So SNL, tell us specifically once you had that opportunity, some of the things that we can remember from SNL. So I, mainly what people would know me from SNL, I was not one of the Delta Delta girls, Delta, 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 can I help you, help you, help you. And so <laughs> that was, and I did a lot of, oh, I, Chris Rock used to say, call me judgy because they always made the, me the judge, judgy wudgy. But I was on with Chris Farley and Adam Sandler and David Spade. And that was the that was the um, Wayne's World years. I was very good friends with Chris Farley, Adam Spade or Adam and David are still friends. Um, Ellen Cleghorn was my roommate. She's still a great friend. So, you know, it was great. I mean, it was it was, you know, the, what, what I'd hoped for as a, as a comedian. And then I was lucky because I did Shakespeare in the Park that summer. I was Phoebe and As You Like It in Central Park in New York City and a casting director who was very sophisticated. Amy Kaufman saw me and she said, Siobhan, I think you can do more than comedy. And I was like, you think? So um, she had me audition for um, Lars von Trier, who's a very well-known European director. And my daughter Bernadette was a very difficult child. She had ear infections all the time. So I was up all night with the baby and I was able to cry and come in during the audition. <laughs> so I've done three movies with Lars. I did Dancer in the Dark that won the Palm Door with Bjork. I did Dogville with Lauren Bacall and Nicole Kidman, and I just did um, The House of Jack MacDillon. So when I wrote Rushed, my movie, I sent it over to Denmark and they loved it and they said, we want to co-produce. So I was like, oh, maybe this is good. So I called up my good friend, Robert Patrick from The Terminator and Walk the Line and many, many movies to play my husband. He said, I'm in. Jake Weary from Animal Kingdom. He plays the bad boy frat boy and Perry Gilpin from Frasier. And so that's how it all happened. Awesome. Wow. You are well-connected, young lady. Well, I've been around the block. And, you know, I treat people, I treat people the way I want to be treated when I'm on a set or as a friend. 
And so, you know, when I called up these big high rollers who make a lot of money a week, I, um, they, I was like, Robert, what do you think? He's like, Siobhan, I love the script. And he's like, I'm all in. And I was like, how much do you want to make a week? $2 or $2 and 50 cents. And then he said, <laughs> I, I love the script. I'm in. So actually his mom is going to be seeing the movie tonight in Cleveland. And, um, we have a big surprise for her out there tonight when she goes to see the show. Wow. So what, what, when you were younger, what did you feel like you were going to do? Was it comedy? Was it theater? Was it musical? Was it writing? I mean, well, where, did I, you, where did you first get your first clue? I'm you one of, a talented person. I'm one of five and I'm from a big <sighs> Irish Catholic family. And, and my parents didn't really, um, well, they cared about our grades, but they cared more if we were funny. So I remember one time I came home from college, I had a really bad grades and I was like a D in astronomy and, you know, maybe made my, my best grade was like a C. And I was like, and my, my friends were like, you're going to be in so much trouble. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't have gone out so much. And so I, I said to my father, I got a D in astronomy. And he's like, Shivani, and look at, I just ate two and a half pieces of pie. Now there's a lot of the pie left over. There's 65% of the pie. Look how much pie there is. D's not bad in astronomy. Who knows about the stars? So anyway, my family really loved funny and they love stories. So we we're big storytellers. So I kind of, you know, I was, did stage first and comedy was my kind of thing. I never did stand up, but I trained, I got my master's in fine arts and acting from Catholic university, which has a very good program. Susan Sarandon went there, John Voigt, John Slattery, um, a lot of great actors. I, I had this training, but I was pegged. I was pegged to be comedic only. And when I got this break with Lars von Trier, that opened up a lot of doors. And I, then I got the negotiator and I did a lot of serious movies after that. So I was able to make that cross. Wow. Very impressive. So let's go to SNL and your experiences with Chris Farley. We're interested in hearing about that. Okay. So Chris, I just feel so honored and blessed to have known him and have him be my friend. He and I, from very similar backgrounds, I, my husband at the time, I just started to date. He was a New York rugby player. He worked on Wall Street. He lived a block from me. Chris and I would go, we'd go to the parties. And afterwards, I'd be like, Chris, I really like this guy. He's really nice. And he's like, Sean, we're going to, what's his apartment number? Come on, let's find him. Let's go to his building. And so we'd go with David Spade. Chris and I would go and like five o'clock in the morning, because the parties at SNL didn't start till one. And we, he'd ring the buzzer. Come on, Peter, you fat bastard, wake up. Sharon's a catch. Come on, open the door. So he was instrumental in me meeting my husband. Then we also went to, we both went to Holy Trinity um, Catholic Church together at night on Sunday nights. And, you know, the par sometimes the, par the parties would go a little wild and you see Chris going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But he was such a great guy. And um, when he, after he passed, I remember there was a memorial for him. And you'd think there'd be like, you know, some star up there giving the eulogy. And the memorial service this was, though, actually. And up was a shut-in who he had visited and brought meals to. He was a great person, you know, with, with, with a rough, terrible problem. And my movie actually touches on something similar in that the family, when, when horrible things happen to funny people, to me, that's particularly sad and even more sad because you don't expect kind of the, the funny ones to have that much trouble. And when they do, how do they handle it? And, you know, I saw Chris go through a lot and, you know, he suffered a lot, but his funny was so funny. I mean, it's like that those two extremes, you know? So I was really lucky to be his pal. And I got to tell you, like Adam Sandler and David Spade, they've been so supportive of, of my movie Rushed. And I'm forever grateful to SNL. And Lauren Michaels put me in Baby Mama at, years after, you know, when I was, I was a birthing specialist with, with, with Tina Fey. I was like, okay, Quash, we're going to talk about birthing a baby. <laughs> awesome. Tell us about your Seinfeld times. Seinfeld was unbelievable. So what, interestingly, so I remind was, us about the character. Remind us about the character. I was Elaine's every, roommate. I was Tina, Elaine's roommate. Before Seinfeld, right? No, during Seinfeld, no, during I remember Seinfeld. it completely, and now you're giving no, no, me- No, on the show, I was Elaine's roommate. And the, oh. first, the, fir the first time I was on, they were just starting up, and they didn't know if they were going to get picked up for the second season. And then I was Kramer's girlfriend, the African dance, and then I did another one where, I, where Elaine was getting kicked out of the building. I was like, that's, I can't let people into the building. That's why there's a buzzer. So <laughs> yes. I had this character- Yes. 
when I first got on the show, Larry David called me up after we had done, you know, re rehearsed for a couple of days. In TV, you have to get everything down into 22 minutes so that if it's a half hour show because of the commercial time. Sure. And he's like, Siobhan, we got to cut your, I thought he was going to say, you go, we got to cut you out. But he said, we have to cut your part down a little. And I was like, oh, that's no problem. So I, I was an actress on it. That was my part. And I was like, oh my God, I had the best. I couldn't have talked slower. I was like, well, if my part's cut down, I'll just slow down my part. Wait, there's a bottle of water here. Actually, I was like, hi, Ellen. Hi, Jerry. And then they had a straw, but I was like, <laughs> anyway, I took the longest sip in the history of man. And I talked so slowly that my part equaled the same amount. That's called milking it as an actor, or they call it chewing the scenery. So anyway, <laughs> it was, it was fab fabulous. And then when I went back for the fifth season, I was supposed to do another one, but I couldn't because of SNL. But when I went back the third time, they were on top of the world. So it was, and then they never changed. They were just great people who worked hard, loved their, loved what they did. And obviously it was genius. I can't believe you've never done stand-up. Uh, no. Considered it? Is it scary? Of course it's scary. I, It's a totally different ballgame. I'm, I'm an actress. I like to hide behind characters. I don't like to stand up and be myself and tell jokes. Because if you stand up and tell a joke and it bombs, you can't blame it on you. If you're, if you're a character, you can hide behind the character. You know? I'm, I mean, that, it's a totally different deal. I think you should do it. You can I do a whole routine right, of the characters. All the characters you've ever done. I know, but if people don't laugh, you, what do you see my movie? It's a revenge thriller. And when things don't go her way, she has a slightly bad temper. So what if I went after the audience and be like, hey, you didn't laugh at my jokes. Come over here. You think, let me talk to you. See, I That's love you right there. I'm always going back to that, but there's so many different experiences to talk about, Dave. And, and, and see, I know exactly who she's talking about now because of the Seinfeld. Everyone remembers Seinfeld characters. It's like the, the thing that no one forgets a Seinfeld character. I interviewed the soup Nazi. I oh, yeah. yeah, and he's he was phenomenal. Uh, you know, um, Mr. Peterman, I've interviewed like, or not Peterman, no, you did the one, you know, the one from the dog show. It'll come to uh, uh, John O'Hurley. I've interviewed. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've interviewed multiple times for the for the dog show, but those Seinfeld characters or the red ribbon that you are on one time Seinfeld, people aren't going to forget your character forever. Do you agree with that when you start saying Seinfeld and then you tell the story and they'll well, say, oh, I remember I was lucky to do three of them. I was supposed to do the fourth. And my son recently said to me, mom, you should do cameos. I'm like, what is a cameo? So I was like, all right, let's give it a whirl. So we were on this road trip and he, and he signs me up for cameo and two minutes seconds later, it's like, ding. And I'm like, oh no, I look, I'm like wearing like my husband's t-shirt. I have no makeup. And it's like, do a cameo. And they're like, could you please do Seinfeld when Elaine gets kicked out of the building? And everybody wants, not everybody. A lot of people like to see men in black or Forrest Gump or holes or different things, but a lot yeah, of people say, we got a, we have so many things. You remember holes again, another great movie. Yeah, so, yeah. Then, yeah, good, good. so I was like, they always want to say that's why there's a buzzer. No, but holes, they like me, you know, Henry Winkler and I did the dance. They know I don't smell anything. So people like that. And, and, you know, of course they always love men in black. And then I don't know, there's all kinds of different things, but you know, be, because of my um, experience being in this business so long, when I went, and did my movie rushed, which you notice how I keep circling back to that. I love it. You're, you're like doing the tactic? same thing. I had, I'm like, I had Seinfeld rushed. I rushed Seinfeld. And he did the same thing going back to see him, his MSNBC thing. We were trying to talk shark tank, with Mr. Wonderful. And he just kept coming back. So you're doing the same <laughs> strategy that he's doing. That's okay. He, my father was a lawyer. He used to call those people double talkers. He's like, Siobhan, that person's a double talker. So that's like a crazy person. No, but I wanted to say, because of all my experiences working on all these different shows, I mean, that's how I met Perry Gilpin from, from Frasier. I did a play with her. So, you know, all these people that you meet along the way, you know, you kind of connect the dots and then it all kind of works out, you know? Um, but, and, and then the social media thing is so huge. Like Jake Weary's in the movie, you know, he's huge in Animal Kingdom. Adam Sandler, David Spade, I'm like, guys, I don't even know what tweeting is. I was like, you need to retweet this thing that my son did. And like, Siobhan, we're all in. Like, they're so supportive, you know? That's great. All right. I love you going back each time. And I'm going to take you back again. So let's go 30 Rock now. What was your character on 30 Rock? 30 Rock, I played Alec Baldwin's sister. And it was Molly Shannon's sister. And that was crazy because my own daughter in real life 
there was like a camping trip and I'm not outdoorsy at all for the school. So I don't know why I volunteered and I got pneumonia. And so I was supposed to play like a, like a big drinker sister. So when I, on the show, I, I had like this cough that sounded like an alcoholic because I had pneumonia. I was like, Ugh. but anyway, it was a riot. I love being on that show. What about men in black? Men in black was unbelievable. Barry Sonnenfeld, one of the greatest directors of all times. And, you know, it was with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, Vincent D'Onofrio. And I, I mean, it was just incredible. I honestly did for that show an imitation of someone I knew from Syracuse. I was like, I had no expression. And I was like, Edgar, your skin is falling off your bones because there was a girl from Syracuse who talked like that. And I was like, just did an imitation of her. And Barry's like, I love it. Let's do it. Yeah, you can't make up stuff like that. Yeah. All right, so let's go back to another question. So, Dave, I guess you did the last question. So, you, you've circled us back six times to the movie, but we're going to get to that. Rushed? Yes. Don't we're worry, we are going to talk about Rushed because I want to know. Gonna give rushed it. that's so, coming out today in theaters across the country, and it's also going to be on Apple, iTunes, and Amazon, and all video platforms. And please come support us. It's fabulous. And our reviews have been unbelievable. You got to go on filmthreat.com. You got to go on Rotten Tomatoes. We've had our, it's been off the charts. If you like thrillers, go. How right. much can you tell us without giving it away? Well, I'm going to tell you that there's two audiences for this film. There's kids going into college and college kids, and there's a parents who sit in their beds, sick to their stomachs, worried about their kids because we have these things called cell phones. And we're like, hey, make good choices while you're in college. Just let me know you're in safely. Okay. Um, then two o'clock in the morning. Hey, mom again. Don't mean to bug you. Want to give you some freedom, but let me know. And you sit in bed and you're in the fetal position and you're like, my God, my kid's probably dead. So this was from me sitting in bed. I have two daughters and a son, many nights worrying. Many moms do this. Your kids go off to college. In the movie, I have four kids. The oldest boy goes off to college. The mother harasses the kids on the way to school. She's like, call your brother, Jimmy. They're like, mom, you're harassing him. I'm like, all right, either call him and pull those skirts down because you look like hookers. Or I'm telling you right now, if you're ugly on the outside, I mean, ugly on the inside, pretty on the outside, no one likes you. And I'll call your brother. Anyway, so she harasses him. But then something horrible happens. And this mom at the beginning of the movie is praying. And she's swearing at the same time because the kids are late for school and the sandwiches she's making are all messed up. So she's this frantic, faithful mom with a lot of humor. And when the horrible incident takes place, her faith and her humor get her through. But she's a different person because she never expected to be out in the limelight. And I have this fabulous editor. I did this Johnny Depp movie called The Professor. And my director, Vibika Musaya, who's fantastic from Denmark, she said to me two days before the film was over, ending, we were driving upstate New York to get the foliage scenes. Siobhan, we have an A-list film and we don't have an A-list editor. And I was like, wait, I know one. Sabina Miliani. She edited and she said to me, Sean, let me tell you something. When you do a thriller, you must always be one step ahead of the audience. Every time they think they have it figured out, you twist and turn, twist and turn. So this movie, when you see it, and as the reviewers are saying, you will be on the edge of your seat in the fetal position because Love you don't that. know what's happening next ever. And Robert Patrick hits it out of the ballpark. So does Jake Weary. So does Perry Gilpin and Rusty Schwimmer. The cast is unbelievable. Wow. So, I, so, so, so I, I love this promotion, but I'm going to go back to like when I always talk to people is you, you, you're giving us the pretty much that just how, why did you do it? What made you want to well, put this together? I had written one, several one woman shows over the years. And about four years ago, I said to myself, if I can do a one person show, why can't I write a film? Because I've been in the industry long enough. So I have a friend who's a producer and he said, and he's a writer. And he said, Siobhan, just write. But when you write, don't judge the end. Don't judge any of it. Just start writing. And, you know, as a mom and with kids that are teenagers, when they start going out, when they're like 15, you're just worried all the time. And so I spent many a night in my bed worried. And that's where it came from. Yeah. I have three daughters. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. My father used to say, I like kids, just not from 15 to 25. <laughs> you got that right. So, but they're, but because, the, you know, this whole college thing, when they go off um, and you have too much contact with them, it's almost worse because 
when you don't have the contact, you worry sick. And now with colleges, when they change that drinking age, you guys know when we went to college, it was beer. Now it's all hard liquor and it's Russian roulette when you're drinking hard liquor. Yeah. And also in any institution, whether it's a sorority or a frat or a, a, any, any job, when, when the leader is hip and cool and good looking and tough and they have a, some sort of a charm that people follow them, but in your gut, you're like, I don't like that guy or that girl. You got to have the guts to get out and do the right thing. Don't follow the leader because you're, you know what I mean? Because everybody else thinks they're cool. And there's a message in this. The humor and the faith gets you through. And when you're in a bad situation, you do the right thing by your friend. And if it becomes, if the right thing is to call 911, you better do it. Or someone might find you. Because hell hath no fury like a mother scorned. You have ha- you've gone through every characters and it's just amazing how many characters. That's why you've done a one woman show. One other person I've interviewed that's done a one woman show is Kat Kramer. Back in the day, Kat, she's really good at Catherine Kramer again. Uh, late father was Stanley Kramer and she does those one woman. I've talked to other people. So you could do a, you did a one woman interview just now. You've asked yourself questions. And it's clever. I, 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 Lily Tomlin and I worked together years and years ago. And of course was a massive fan of Lily's and I saw her show on Broadway. I saw her show a couple of times and that's, she was a big influence. And, you know, I always tell young actors like, if you are frustrated with where your career is at, pick up a pen and start writing. If you write your own show, no one can stop you. Right. So and you then do that now you created your own feet, your own film. So there you go. Yes, you know, for there one you moment, go. Okay. All right. Dave is going to ask the final question before sure. we find out where we can find the film because he's a caregiver and we'll sure. find out why he's a caregiver. Go ahead, Dave. I'm a caregiver. My wife had a stroke 25 years ago and she lost her speech, became paralyzed on one side. A couple of years years of grieving was miserable but then she reinvented herself she decided you know she was going to do everything she did before with one arm and no speech and now she's amazing she's like a martha stewart wonder woman uh, rolled into one and we've been going through this for 25 years so i realized that hey you know if i could just uh, communicate to other caregivers because i didn't know what i was doing all the mistakes i made so i became dave the caregiver's caregiver then on television 50 times did some interviews spoke all over the world going to london uh on the 12th of uh this month going to speak at the uh oh, he's freezing london stock exchange yeah. uh get my picture with nigel farage my question to you and i've got a website caregiverdave.com yes and uh, four books yes i'd like to say that that you know if you don't think you're going to be a caregiver just wait it's inevitable it's going to happen to everybody so Dave. now's the time to prepare not after tragedy strikes like I did. Don't know what you're doing. You don't have to scratch your head. I, I want to tell you that I think what you do is unbelievable. And I want to call you a saint because my mom just passed at 96 years old. And it's so hard to find great caregivers. And my sisters were unbelievable. One of them moved in with her. They're from upstate. We all took turns. But there was two women yeah. who we knew and they, we knew they were caregivers. And they would come in. And they're little, they're saints. And what an important, important role in life. That's why I always say like being an actor or actress, people think that's so great. And, but the truth is there's so many more important roles and you're the one who deserves an Academy Award. And you're the one who deserves a star on the sidewalk because holy cow, that's unbelievable. And your wife <laughs> is incredible. Every that's, caregiver. That's Thank really some, every caregiver. It's, it's beautiful. So again, check out caregiverdave.com. Now we have talked about the film. Where can people watch it right now? Okay, so they got to Google. If they're in your town, it's in many, many towns and cities all over the country. If it's not in your town, you go to at Rushed Movie on our Instagram or on our Facebook, but you can also just watch it on iTunes, Amazon, Apple, and you can download it right now. I've already had people that have downloaded it and been watching it for breakfast. I don't know what's going on. But it is, where do you guys live? I'm in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh and LA. Okay, so just, I don't think it's in LA, it's in Riverside, California. Pittsburgh, we just interviewed with the Pittsburgh City Press. So they, I know there's some theaters there that want to get it, but it's all over Florida. It's all over Boston and New York and New Jersey and South Dakota and Arizona, many, many theaters. If it's not in your theater though, download it and watch it. And please support us because independent movies, 
really need your support. Yes. And thank you, both of you. And God bless you for being a caregiver. I think it's incredible. And I, can, I can download it from I can download it from Amazon. Amazon, iTunes, Apple, and several other platforms. And I honestly only knew what platform shoes were till about two weeks ago when Vertical Entertainment told me, said, make sure you mention the platforms. Okay, that's fantastic. Everyone needs to check it out. Appreciate it. And uh, where are you on Instagram? Where can we? At Rushed Movie. All right, awesome. We appreciate you. Thanks Thank you so on. much. God Thank bless. You. Thank you. All right, right that was the Neil Haley Show, you guys. Take care. Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download. Free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets. Celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Christopher Hall Show. I'm excited to welcome for Dr. Christopher Hall. Dr. Hall, again, Nobel Prize nominated doctor. COVID, we're talking about different things, but today we have a great guest, don't we, Dr. Hall? Wow, you know, this is an exciting guest, in particular, a very exciting time. Really, as a nation, guess what? We need to come together all for once. We're very exciting. Awesome. So introduce our guest. Well, no problem. Well, you know, I'm very excited uh, to introduce a Grammy award-winning vocalist, uh, a lead singer of the group All For One, known for certain hits such as I Swear... And I can love you like that. I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Jamie Jones. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Hey, hey, thank you for having me. Hey, Jamie, thanks uh, for coming on. And so I guess the starting out, the kind of question before is, how have you dealt with COVID and with different things we're talking about? You do a lot of the behind the scenes stuff so that you can keep working. But how difficult was that at first to now with, you know, not being able to tour and stuff once it first came out? Oh man, it was it was extremely difficult because um, you know, 2020 was gonna be well, so we've been for the last five or six years, we've been on a tour called I Love the 90s with a lot of other really big uh uh rap and RB and pop groups from the 90s. And and then also we do a lot of touring on our own. So, you know, for 2020, we had quite a few shows set up worldwide you know i mean we were going to be hitting australia and new zealand and london as well as you know i think we had 40 or 50 shows in the states so we had a busy schedule and it was just like come march everything started first it was postponing then it went from postponing to just straight out canceling and the craziest part about it though was in february of 2020 we were on a quick we had quite a busy schedule that took us from Seattle to Hawaii, Hawaii to Shanghai, Shanghai to Beijing, Beijing to Tokyo, and then Tokyo to, to Florida. And, you know, I just remember getting back home and we, we started hearing about some of this stuff while we were in Japan and we had just left China. So we're like, wait a minute, there's some weird stuff going on in China. We were just there. Like, is everything cool with us? Like, you know? And I just remember getting home and I waited a couple of weeks after I got home and I called my doctors and like, hey, you know, I just want to make sure I'm good. Like my wife and I, we have no symptoms. And they were like, well, we don't know what to tell you. Like, we don't have a way of testing. Like we have no clue. And it was just like I said, from there, it was just downhill. Everything started canceling, postponing. And um, and it, honestly, it's the longest break in our 28 year career that we've ever had of not performing crazy all right so dr hall first question for jamie well this is so interesting well you know jamie um just you know wow 69 million plus records worldwide and uh, just tell us a little bit about about yourself kind of like where you're from how you got into music and then how you guys came together as a group are these people you grew up with or tell us a little bit about that all right well i'm from 
originally born and raised in, in the Los Angeles, California area. You don't meet too many folks like me. Most people in Los Angeles are from somewhere else that right. transplants. But I'm born and raised. Actually, it's an hour north of Los Angeles. It's called the Antelope Valley, Palmdale, Lancaster. So Tony and Alfred. Now, Tony's the white guy. Alfred's the Mexican guy. Delius is the other short black guy. I'm the tall black guy. And Tony and Alfred are also from the same area. And I met them in a talent show. And they had their own group. And I had my own group at the time. We were all pretty young. And um after I heard them perform, I was like, these guys are incredible. Like Alfred's a true bass and Tony has this high falsetto and, and just pure voice. So I got their phone numbers and said, hey, we should do some stuff together. And, you know, and so I called them not too long afterwards because one of the local radio stations, Hot 97, asked me to do some radio station jingles. And so I knew we needed some harmony. So I called these guys and said, hey, y'all want to do some radio station jingles with me? And so we did those radio station jingles. And, you know, we liked singing together. And not too long after that, uh, Tony and I entered a karaoke show. And that same radio station, Hot 97, was giving away $977 to the winner. And we were all completely broke. <laughs> so I said to Tony, I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is easy work. Let's go get this money, bro. So we go up to the fairgrounds where the karaoke show is. And as we're looking for what song we're going to sing, we hear this guy on stage with this big voice. And then I look over and he's on his knees and he's rolling around the ground. I'm like, nah, this little dude is not going to take our money. And, and so it was Delius. So I said to Tony, I said, listen, we're going to have to sing Ebony and Ivory and we're going to have to take it to church. Not your church, but my church. We got to go crazy with it because otherwise this little dude rolling around the stage is going to take our money. So we get out there and I mean, we go for it. And that night we all tied and um, fast forward a little, little more than that. You know, I was always very, um, I was always very involved in my church. You know, I started singing in church when I was three years old. I started competing when I was five years old. And at that point I was, I think 17 I was involved in my church at least minimum four days a week. And during one of the choir rehearsals, this guy walks in and I had never seen this guy before. And he starts asking around. He's like, hey, I'm looking for, you know, somebody they call Little Luther. I think his name is Jamie. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's Jamie over there. So after choir rehearsal, he and I get to talking and he's like, listen, I work for an independent record label. We're looking for a group. And we have this song, it's a song from the 60s called So Much In Love that we wanna do, a, you know, we wanna remake it. So I said, okay, well, I don't have a group, but I know every singer in this valley. So give me a couple of days and I'll put one together. And of course I called Delis, I called Tony, I called Alfred. And we went to Six Flags Magic Mountain here in California. And literally we walked around that theme park for six or seven hours singing everywhere. I mean, in the parking lot, on the train, uh, on the 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 you know the train from the parking lot to the to the actual theme park, in every line at every restaurant, every in the bathrooms because it was good reverb, you know, everywhere we practiced, we practiced, we practiced. We got um, a audition for that record label, and they gave us contracts on the spot. And as they say, the rest is history. And that's again a lot of stories, right? Wow. Yeah. Making it, right, broke completely. And then somehow opportunity comes. Yes. So would you say, were you the leader in a lot of ways to keep together for the certain amount of time and how you guys still tour today? Do you feel that you're the one that kind of, because again, people go into singles, they decide different things, keeping groups together. What do you think that you're, what, from when you were young to now, at this point, how did you help that process to keep it going? Right. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, we are all very, um, very much, me and the guys are very much on one accord. I mean, we all kind of grew up very similar backgrounds, you know, military. Dillis was an Air Force brat, so he moved every three years. But, you know, me and Tony, our fathers were not moving every three years. They were stationed and, and Alfred's brother. So the thing is, we have a lot of the same values as far as our religious beliefs, our family beliefs, our musical beliefs. So you know, all of the decisions that we make, we make them as a group. 
I am probably the one who is always the most, um, I, I probably am always out working the most to, to, to also bring other opportunities in only because, you know, I am, um, when I'm not doing all for one, I'm a music producer and I have a production company called The Heavyweights and I've worked with a lot of different artists. I mean, folks from, from Wayne Brady to Tupac, like I've worked with a lot of different artists and even now I still do a lot of work for Disney, for Netflix, for Nickelodeon. So I, I do quite a bit of production. So with me being behind the scenes, I'm probably a little more connected in the music business than the rest of the guys because I just eat, sleep and breathe music 100% of the time. Wow. So I, you know, I mean, but, you know, Dealist is also, I say Dealist and I are probably the ones who do the most, uh, you know, pro, pro, uh, you know, are we're the ones who are always looking to advance the group. You know, Dealist is also a, a hustler. And so he, he goes out and finds some good opportunities as well. And, and then, of course, we have a great manager, Hannah, and she, she does the majority of the work. So it's not like we're out there pounding the pavement, but, you know, being artists sometimes, things just land on our laps and we just say, hey, Hannah, you know, can you check this out? But most of the opportunities that come for us come from her. And would you say that's, but you're definitely the leader of the leader, kind of keeping things together. What is your take? Who would you say? You know, I think we all have our roles. So I would, yeah, I wouldn't just say there's one leader. Like they call me, they call me Deacon Jones in the group because like, I'm like a step away probably from being the pastor of the group, you know? And, um, you know, but we all kind of have our roles and, and we all, I think, play them well. So it's not a thing of I'm the leader or he's the leader. I mean, we make every decision together. Everything is all for one. So. Okay. Yeah. All right, Dr. Hall, next question. I mean, it's, well, it was just such a wonderful group. And I mean, Jamie, so multi-town, he's a producer. Now, did you say you worked with Tupac uh, in the past? Yes, I've done Tupac. Well, I did Tupac remixes, which is a little different. I, I was actually on uh, one of the first albums after he passed away. Uh, the album's called Until the End of Time. And um, me and my production group, we, we did a couple of remixes. So what is, you're talking now, all these wow. other production, comp- production, big wig places. So how did you move up the ladder in that way of production? You did different musicians but now you talk about working with disney all these things how did that happen like how did you get those opportunities well for me you know what i so every artist once they kind of make it says oh i'm going to be a songwriter and i'm going to be a producer and i'm going to be all of this the thing is i realized early on that in order for me to become a singer i actually had i had to pay my dues i started like i said i started doing talent shows at, at the age of five and basically every weekend of my life you know, until I finally got a record deal. I mean, I sang at, I didn't even know what a bar mitzvah was, but I was singing at them. I sang at funerals. I sang at weddings, at pep rallies, at fashion shows, at talent shows, like everywhere that I could hopefully be seen. I did that because I knew that if I could just continue to get out there, maybe somebody would discover me. And and I realized that after I made it as an artist, my, my dream has always been to kind of be like the the people I looked up to, Prince, Donny Hathaway, Stevie Wonder, when you would look at the back of their album covers, it would say written, produced, arranged, composed, played, like they did everything. And that was always my dream. And so with all the All For One records, I wrote half of all the All For One records. And I was always interested in songwriting, but I knew that if I wanted to be successful, I'm gonna have to pay my dues. So what I used to do, when we would be on the road and we're playing these arenas, when everybody else, when we would have a day off or just an evening off was, you know, going to, you know, go watch a movie or go to a bar or whatever the case is, I had all my equipment at the bottom of the tour bus and I was setting it up in the tour bus. And when we would get to the hotel, I was set up in the hotel. And when we would get to the venue, I would set it up in our dressing room and I would come an hour or two before sound check just so I could work on music. And, and then once we got time off, I started taking trips to Nashville, working with Christian writers, country writers, gospel writers. Here in LA, I started working with rock writers, hip hop producers and writers. I worked with everybody because I figured that there was something I could learn from all of them. And I knew I had to pay my dues. So that's kind of what I started doing. And then, you know, 
one opportunity came, we, we did a, a song on a soundtrack, a kid soundtrack called Stuart Little Two. And, and it was a song that was written by a Republican senator, senator named Orrin Hatch. He wrote a lullaby. And me and my production team, we actually made a melody out of it. We, cause it was just a poem. So we actually made it a song and we produced it and it was great. And, and it was like, that was one of my first foots in the door. And I think that was around 98, uh, maybe 2000. And, and from there, I just kept, you know, honing in on my craft. And even when I was on the road with All For One, even to this day, I don't travel without a studio with me. Anytime I go somewhere, I always have a portable studio with me. Wow, that's keeping busy. Yeah, you're wow. getting work in the extra. All right, go, Doctor, for the next question. No, I'm just hearing so many things from Jamie. I'm, I'm hearing like, you know, uh, basically being prepared, uh, organized. I mean, he has such foresight, and you know, it doesn't sound like he grew up with a silver spoon as a monster or anything. There's so many young people out there who, I mean, who want to have the vision that he has. And, you know, what would be your advice to these young people who want to get into entertainment and, 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 and you know, travel the world and do a good message like yourself, Sammy? What, what would be your advice to these young people? What do they do? Well, my advice is always this, you know, and I talk to a lot of artists because I get a lot of young artists that I work with, you know, that come to see me and come to my studio. And, and when they give me a few minutes of their time, I give them an earful. And, and my thing to them is always this. You know, one thing about the music business is you will always hear the word no more than you'll hear your name. Because music is such a relative thing, right? In music, there is no right and wrong. You know, you can love country and Neil, you could love rock. I could love hip hop. That doesn't make any of us wrong. It just no. makes us different. So you have to realize that in music, it's, you're always going to be trying to cater towards someone's opinion, whether it's the opinions of your fans, the opinions of the record company, people who have to write the checks to, you know, promote your music. It's always someone's opinion and you got to have thick skin. That's A. B, you know, the thing I say is everything in life that's worth having comes through hard work. And at some point in life, everything gets hard. Yes. But only the things you're the most passionate about are the things that you will stick with so that when it does get hard, you won't quit because it's your passion. It's what mm -hmm. you live and breathe. That's so right. my thing is to all the kids, make sure this is your passion because it will get hard. And when you make it, it doesn't get any easier. It gets harder. You know, you're not sleeping, you're traveling all the time. And now with social media, you're always required to be your best in every situation. You're just not allowed to have regular human emotions. You know, if you have a passing in your family and you're sad and you see fans and you're not nice or, or you're just not as bubbly as they think you should be, they're going to go right and say you're not a, a nice person yeah, instead yeah. of just giving you the benefit of, a, of the doubt that maybe you're just having you know, a bad day or maybe something is, is up. In you. So I just like to make sure everybody knows that, listen, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of dedication. And once you get on, it doesn't get any easier. So you got to make sure that this is your passion and this is what you want to do. And you got to be willing to put the work in when nobody's watching. You'll be in the, I, I, I use a lot of basketball uh, analogies, you know, to be in the gym shooting when nobody's watching. Everybody yeah, yeah. sees the game. And everybody's got a comment about the game, but nobody has a comment about the practices yeah, and the, the time it takes to get and be the best. So that's kind of what I like to, you know. So Jamie, representing All for One right now, latest project for All for One and then latest projects for you. Okay. All right. So latest project for All for One. So we've been working on an EP. We started actually um, in 2020. And... Um, so we've got some amazing songs together. We're just trying to figure out when we're going to release them and put the finishing touches on them. So hopefully this year, you know, we were, we, we've been waiting because we want to make sure we have the opportunity to promote it properly, but because of COVID and everything going on, it, it's, you know, it's just kind of hard to, to do what we normally would do. So we're trying to figure that out. Um, and then for me, I actually just released a solo single and I, I did a remake of a song called Sunny song from the the 50s originally written by a guy um a guy named bobby hebb but it was also made famous by folks like marvin Gaye and stevie yes. wonder and so it's a really cool 
R&B vibe. It's different than what All For One does. So I just released that, and I'm actually going to be releasing an EP as well here soon. So that'll probably come out before All For One's project. All right. And then the, the last thing is that um, we'll get to you, Dr. Hall. Summarize Jamie really quickly, and then we're going to find out where we can find the best info for him. Oh, well, no problem. I mean, I mean, Jamie, he, <laughs> he represents dedication, passion, hard work. I mean, I don't think he's, he's, he's saying, I mean, I heard these things in my brain as a kid. Actually, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles, and it's just, it's just incredible. And so I'm just very excited that, you know, during this time that, that he was able to bring um, uh, the nation this wonderful message. So thanks a lot, Jamie, for coming on the show. Man, I appreciate you guys for having me. Absolutely, Jamie. Best place to connect with you. Where can we go? So social media, of course, um, you know, for all for one, our pages are pretty simple for Instagram, for Twitter, for, for uh, Facebook. It's just all A-L-L, the number four, O-N-E music. So all for one music. Or you can go to our website, which is all-4-1.com. And all of our stuff is there as well. And, la- and I guess the last point you bring up with all that stuff, the last point uh, with it is, Jamie, a message for your fans. What would you like to say to them? Well, first off, I would just like to say, whether you're our fans or not, you know, everybody be safe, be careful. You know, this whole pandemic is changing quite a bit of things that used to be normal for all of us and, and, and changing a lot of lives and not, not so much for the better. So I'm praying for everyone and praying that, you know, we have great doctors like you, Dr. Hall, and, and other folks to continue to, you know, help get us to a better place. But the other thing is, You know, one thing I love about music is music provides an escape. Music is a, it can be such a powerful Mm -hmm. tool to help you get through all kinds of situations in your life. So whether it's our music or someone else's music, I would just want to encourage people to just find ways to just escape a little here and there so that A, you can keep your sanity, but, you know, but B, it can help you feel good. I love that. Great messages. Appreciate it. Jamie, thanks for stopping by. Dr. Christopher Hall. Uh, thank awesome. you, Jamie. Hey, right, thank you crazy. both. Take care. Well, thanks. You will, y'all. All right, guys. That was the Dr. Christopher Hall show, guys. Take care. Please listen to the Forletta podcast. Larry Forletta, a retired DEA agent turned private investigator, will bring you true life stories on the war on drugs with some of the most infamous international drug traffickers of all time, to name a few, Pablo Escobar, Manuel Noriega, Joaquin Guzman, a.k.a. El Chapo, and other related real-life crime stories such as Waco. For information, please visit his website at www.fcisllc.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Mike Velarde's show, and I'm excited to welcome the program, Mike Velarde. Mike, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, great. How are you, Neil? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. We have a great guest. I remember we were doing it for radio. We were just doing the radio show before we went to video and audio, so I'm excited about our guest today. Yeah, so am I. Gigi's a good friend. She was, uh, she was, a, she was a professional actress. She's a conservative radio talk show host, and I'm going to let Gigi introduce herself and talk about herself and give us a little background on on all the great stuff she's done. All right, well, um, thank you for having me. First of all, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm Gigi Ernetta. Actually, it's Gigi Ernetta, but for most people, just Gigi is fine. Uh, And for even more simple cases, G works. Uh, But yes, so I've been acting since I was about eight years old, did my first performance when I was eight. Um, And that was in dance. And then at 15, I did my first SAG commercial. So I did McDonald's. That was my first thing. And I did it in English and Spanish. And that was kind of my into the industry. So I've been on um, mostly English programming, but I've been on a couple of, you know, Spanish soap operas, a lot of fun telenovela. Mm-hmm. And um, I got into, I was in broadcasting very young. I actually was, a, I have a degree in film, but radio was kind of my thing. So I went back to it. And that's how I met Mike. Um, I started working at a radio station in New York, and um, that was while I was doing my acting career. And I've done a lot of stuff. You can find me on the IMDb if you want to go to imdb.com cool. and type in my name, G I G I E R N E T A, or go to my website, G 
ggarnetta.com and you'll find out more about my career. But I stepped into um, something very interesting, which was when I did Flag of My Father, I started in that movie, um, I was made very aware that, uh, about post-traumatic stress. And so I got very involved with that. I'm also helping a um, non nonprofit, or I should say non-for-profit, whatever the technical word is, um, that works with the troops, post-traumatic stress. There's a lot of new things that they're using that works. Uh, and so I'm excited about that. And I'll talk more about that later, but stepped into this whole vortex and then started doing my own radio show called Standing Freedom. And took, it's on a hiatus right now. I've actually worked with um, Save America's Freedom Foundation. That is, it's more not about right or left. It's more about constitutionally right. And that's kind of where I'm at too. I'm now a, and have been for quite a while, registered independent, seeing the problems on both sides. <laughs> and um, really troubled though, what's happening right now. But uh, you can catch me on Roswell. I'm on two seasons of Roswell and hopefully, God willing, I'll be back on Roswell again. I'm also, I just wrapped on a show called The Cleaning Lady and I'm on a bunch of TV shows. But like I said, that is uh, entertainment. And I'm hoping, I just finished my second movie script and I'm hoping to direct it with my bestie. So uh, that's what's on, what's in the horizon that I know about, but God always gives me something, you know, it's kind of a surprise. I kind of go with it. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, that, that, that says a lot. You know, well, you just said, about constitutionally right. And let's go oh, right now. I'm really interested in this vaccine thing because our time's close to running out. I what? really want to know what- Oh my gosh, yes. Okay. What's your information on the vaccine that you've heard? Gigi, you had one of the show. Oh, okay, so no. So I've been researching a lot about because I researched COVID, which I had COVID and I think Mike was talking about having COVID. So I had done a lot of research on that and now fast forward to the vaccine. So a lot of them, the things that I've, heard about this last week was what's inside of Pfizer. You know, they don't have anything on their insert, so you don't really know what's in it. Um, and they put it under a microscope, I guess. And I think it was Germany trying to figure out the language. It was so, and it looks like there's actually live worms in it um, inside of the mRNA vaccine, the Pfizer specifically. I don't know about Moderna, but yeah. So basically I think all three, but I'm sure the two uh, mRNAs have graphene oxide, which is toxic to the human body. It has it in there. Um, they'll deny it if you go to like Snopes and all that, but if you can find the actual name is like 25 letters long. It's not called graphene oxide. That's, mm. that's like, like saying, that's like saying rhinocort is budesonide. Budesonide, no, you know, people know that works as a therapeutic. Well, it's rhinocort, right? So it has another name. And if you do the research, you'll find that 20 letter name in there. So it does have graphene oxide inside of it. So I think that's why it's spreading. Um, when you have it, when they give you it to, to you in your arm and then it goes all over your body into your organs. Hmm. It doesn't stay in one place like normal vaccines. So I'll stick with J and J. You know, J and J has some side effects to them as well. Yes. Yes. But at least it's not traveling and dumping into your organs. <laughs> that's true. There's a map that shows where all the different places that the Pfizer goes to. Wow, and it'll be okay if it's one shot or two shots, but if it's 40 shots, it's not gonna be. Well, and, and my cousin works in the ER in New York and she said she's seeing cases of vaccinated people that are getting very seriously ill, but only a small percentage. So I asked her, I said, what, what do you, why do you think that is? And she says, well, I'm noticing their vaccine date is February, March. Mm. So it only lasts less than six months. And then it's time for another booster and it's time for another right. and another. And I, and I asked, are, are people willing to, to, to do it for the rest of their lives just to be from, from COVID? But that's fear. That's what I was saying. It's the, right. the real disease is fear. Because yeah. what happened to the real flu? Right. Where did the and real and pneumonia go? and pneumonia. Right. Where did all these things go? They just disappear. Yeah. So that's the problem. So that's the big thing you're saying is find out what's in the vaccine. Yeah. I mean, and also and ask them the trial, the trials, you know, what is your health condition? I have never seen anything like this. You can go to a freaking Walmart and get a vaccine. What is that? You know what I mean? There's no doctors involved with this. It's weird. It's weird. And that, when are they going to start charging more for it? But they are charging. They're charging in our taxes. 
That's right. And see this, we go, oh, it's free. No, nothing is free. Nothing is free. They're, they're definitely getting kickbacks at every location. They're giving vaccines. They're getting paid for it. It's not free. And it's coming out of our money. It's definitely not free. So. And the money, the stimulus money went towards the vaccine research and then the pay. So here's, a, I'm going to give some president Trump, former president Trump. It's hard to always say <laughs> he went ahead and said everyone should get a vaccine. What are your thoughts on that one? Were you surprised by that? Are you asking me or Mike? Yeah, I'll ask both of you. Okay, no, I was just, uh, well, I thought, well, I'm gonna start with this. I was, I was like, okay, he must believe in it. That's what I thought. But he also signed a deal for 5G, which people don't realize. He did an executive order allow 5G. 5G has not been tested for safety either. Yeah, people didn't know that happened during COVID. <laughs> so I have some questions. Yeah, I don't know. Right, what about you, Mike? Well, I think this is Trump's biggest retaliation against the Democrats because 99% of them are going to get the vaccine. They're all going to pass away and it's going to open the door for him to come back. Oh, so what about <laughs> the French doctor that came out with, he said in two years, anyone that got the vaccine is going to be dead. You saw that one, right? Or well, side effects and death and everything. So we, we had Sherry Tampenny on our program and it's designed to weaken your immune system against other things. So when the flu season hits in, in the fall, these people who got everyone that, you know, has certain some of these vaccines, their, their immune systems are going to be compromised. So instead of getting hit with the COVID, they're going to get hit with the flu and not be able to recover. And that's where the deaths are going to happen because now they have a compromised immune system and they don't realize it. You know, every single animal that was tested died during these clinical tests. That's the, uh, the mRNA vaccine. That's right. That's, that's, yeah, that's the big issue I have with those two is that, that I did do a lot of research on it and there's no, there's no long-term trial except the ones that they do with the animals and they died. When are we gonna get the oral vaccine? They said two years to get an oral vaccine. Is that the live virus is the only way that's going to end this pandemic really well. And I don't think they want that to happen until they give everyone a shot so many times. And then finally someone says, by the way, this doesn't work. And there's a rebellion in the world. Then they'll go to the- I think we're world. real close. <laughs> I think we're, clo we're closer. I mean, in France and in U the UK, they're all in the streets yelling about this. I mean, we don't know about it here, but that's what's going on there. Yeah. Because they're not exactly. that quiet because it's not a free country like ours. Oh, maybe we're not anymore. So new projects- <laughs> Where can we check you out, Gigi? Tell us all those different places. Um, the best place is ggerneta.com, G-I-G-I-E-R-N-E-T-A.com. That's my personal website. Um, let's see. Operation Initiative, if you look that up, that is the, um, the, the platform I told you I support for the troops, uh, for healing. And let's see what else. You can find me on the IMDb, Roswell, and a new show called Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Where's Sacrifice located online? It'll be on BET. BET. Okay. So you're going to be on, I'm on the cleaning lady too. I'm all over the place. <laughs> you were on Roswell too. Okay. Okay. So check you out there. Awesome. And, but then the, I remember last time you were on, you're more into the talk show thing. Now you're back in the acting thing. You just never know how things work. Well, I'm always into the acting thing because it pays my bills. Um, <laughs> the, talk the, talk show, if the talk show thing paid my bills. I'd be doing that. I, I love it. Are you afraid about the fallback from Hollywood when you're talking about things like the vaccine? Well, you know, it, like I said, I'm not one of the bulliers. So, you know, I'm not, I'm opposed to the mRNA specifically. I think that they're dangerous. I'm not saying that the other one isn't, but I'm just not like, I'm not going. Look up Vaxart, look up Vaxart and look up for an oral vaccine and get the push for the oral vaccine. Cause they already, they already went out the, the COVID-19 vaccine show. I mm -hmm. co-host and it's the number one oh. vaccine show. Check yeah. it out. It's good. I went in clubhouse and it went viral once I went in there again to talk to them because they're so, but they're anti ivermectin anti-HCQ. Okay. Okay. So, so but I mean, not, ivermectin, not, ivermectin, Merck just signed a $256 million deal with the government. The, they signed, Merck did. That's why they don't support ivermectin and they're trying to suppress it because they're creating something similar to it. That's going to cost more money. I don't know if you realize that came out like this oh, week in the news. Okay. That's yeah. why, that's why I came in and seen it. Okay. Well, we appreciate everybody, Mike, anyone, MikeFlartyBooks.com, winningtaxsolutions.com. Mike, we appreciate it. Thank you again, Gigi, guys. Take care. All right. All See right. That was the Mike Florty Show. Take care, guys.
step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.